hope that you uh, were benefited by that song we just sung and also the scripture reading because it reminds us of a couple things that we need to be reminded of kind of often. Number one is that God is on His throne. Amen. And His will is going to be done. And He is great and good. And we're going to be okay. I might not like my taxes I'm paying. I might not like the gas bill I'm paying. I may not like some of the policies going on in our world. Is anybody a little concerned about our world right now? Me too. But God is on His throne. We're going to be okay. And in that passage of Scripture, it reminds us of Jesus. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. And those two combination things ought to encourage us as we think about living for our Lord. If I'm not mistaken, that passage is what we talked about the last time I was here. There are four key words in that passage about what Jesus, what the angel told the ladies about the resurrection of Jesus. The four key words are come, see, go, and tell. I don't know if you remember those key words we talked about, I think, the last time that we were together. <coughs> Come and see the evidence that Jesus really was raised and go tell the world that he had been raised up from that grave. This morning, I want to study with the passage of Scripture that you might not think has anything to do with missions, but it's all about missions. And that is in the book of Jonah. Would you get a Bible? I hope you brought your Bible. If you didn't repent, you bring it next time. You've got one of those unscriptural cell phones or iPads. You can use one of those. I want everybody's eyeballs to be on this one page of Jonah. As I said a moment ago, you get thinking about Jonah, you wouldn't think that the book of Jonah is about missions, but it's all about missions. It's not a story about a fish. There's a fish in the story, but it's not about the fish at all. Jonah was written about 760 years before the coming of Jesus. It was written at a time when God was trying to use the Jewish nation to communicate to the world about Jesus Christ. When you read the Old Testament, if you don't see Jesus, you didn't read it right. Because the Old Testament is telling us what about Jesus? He's coming. Everything in the Old Testament points us to the coming of Jesus. The New Testament tells us what about Jesus? He came and He's going to return. The Old Testament, though, is all about introducing the world to Jesus. God wanted the Jewish nation to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus, for the coming of a Messiah, for the coming of a, of a Redeemer. Jonah had other thoughts in mind. There are four chapters in Jonah. Maybe when I was here back in the 90s, you may have a couple of notes in the margins of your Bible from Jonah. We studied, and it may have had David. I don't know. I'm sure we talked about Jonah. And I want to talk about Jonah this morning as we think about missions. Jonah chapter number one, Jonah ran away from God. You look at the opening verses of chapter one of the book of Jonah. In verse number two, Jonah is told, I want you to go down to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. The next line says, but Jonah. In verse number two, God said, I want you to go down and preach the good news of salvation in Nineveh. And I want you to tell them about salvation. Jonah, though, didn't want to go down to that particular city and preach. In fact, you don't need to leave early this morning because we're going to find out why in the very last chapter in Jonah. Jonah had other ideas and other thoughts about doing God's will. He decided to go the very opposite direction. If you look with me in verse number, verse number 3, it says, But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus. 
So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I've got that phrase circled in my Bible. He went away from the presence of the Lord, literally and symbolically. He went. He left the presence of. And when you leave the presence of the Lord, your life gets in a mess, true or false. When you and when we leave the presence of the Lord, our lives get in a mess. We love football in Kentucky, don't we? It's fourth down for Jonah. If you got the, if you got the King James Bible, look with me in verse number two. He went down to Joppa. In the latter part of verse 3, he went down to the ship. If you glance also down in, in verse number 5, so Jonah went, went down to the sides of the ship and went to sleep. It's fourth down, Jonah. What are you going to do? Well, Jonah gets on the boat and he's going to run away from the presence of the Lord. And he's going to cause a whole lot of trouble. I read a verse that I've never seen before in this passage. I want you to look with me in chapter number 1. And look with me in verse number 9. John is asked to, to explain himself and to define himself. If you look at verse number 9, they're in the middle of a storm. And they're trying to figure out what's causing this storm. Look at verse number 9. He said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. If you just look at verse number 9, would you say John is a good guy or a bad guy? He fears God. He's a... Hebrew, he's a follower of God. You could say, well, he's a pretty good guy. He, had, he was a pretty good guy until God asked him to do something that went against what he really wanted to have in that problem. Let me put it like this. The people down in the city that God is asking him to go down and preach to would be a lot like the people that did 9-11. Did anybody in this room have any trouble with anybody right after 9-11? Am I the only one? Did anybody ever have a little attitude problem toward those folks that did 9 11? Yeah, me too. That's where Jonah stood. Jonah was asked to go down to preach to some people who, in essence, was as awful and mean as those that did 9 11. Well, Jonah, the text says he went down to the sides of the ship, and that storm was going to come up. Could you read it in your, in your Bible if you wouldn't look at it with me in verse number 10? Then were the men exceeding afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. They said unto him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm unto us? And for the sea wrought and was tempted. He said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. Jonah, you're the one that's caused this problem. What are we going to do with you? What Jonah say do? Just throw me overboard and I'll die. God, though, had other plans for Jonah. He wasn't ready for Jonah to die. Jonah then goes overboard, and the story, part of the story that you would remember and focus on would be verse number 17. Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 1, Jonah ran away from God. You're taking notes, that's what you need to put in your Bible, because that's what chapter 1 is about. Jonah ran away from God. He ran away from the presence of the Lord. Well, why didn't he want to go preach to them? Why did he run away to the furthest extreme, the other direction from the city, from the city of Nineveh? Well, let's pick up three and continue in chapter two. In chapter number, at the end of chapter one, is the is the first of four things we're going to read about that God prepared. He prepared a big fish that swallowed up Jonah, and he takes a he takes a three day ride in a submarine. 
He took the first submarine ride in history in the belly of a fish. I don't want to be funny with you. I just want to make it very, very practical. You're inside the fish. I don't need any answers out loud, but just think about it with me. You're inside the belly of a fish for three days. What do you smell? Don't answer out loud. It might not make somebody sick. What do you smell? What do you hear? What do you see? He's got a flashlight in there. What would he see inside the belly of a fish? Imagine taking a three-day ride in the belly of a fish. Gives him time to think. I'll use your eyes right here for a second. Sometimes our life has to get into a stinky, dark place before we recognize our need for God. Amen. I don't know where you've been in your journey with God, but sometimes your life's got to get in a stinky, dark place before you realize you have a need for God. Right. Jonah got in this dark, stinky place, and he realized he needed God. So what's chapter 2 about? He's going to go back to God. Chapter 1, he ran away from God. Now in chapter 2, he's going to run back to God. He, he prays a pretty eloquent prayer. In fact, we didn't mention it, but back in chapter 1, when the storm came up, all those folks on the boat got real religious. Right. They all began to appeal to their own God. And they prayed some pretty good prayers too, I bet you. But notice in chapter 2, the prayer of Jonah. He's, he's running back to God. And listen to his heart that he mentions in the prayer in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord and his God out of the fish's belly. King James Bible uses the word then to start the verse. Let me ask you a question. When is then? When is then? In Jonah's life, the then is when his life was in a mess. It was right then that he started praying. As I said a moment ago, sometimes... We've got to get our lives in a mess before we recognize our need of God. Sometimes when we get eloquent in our prayers when we realize our big need of God. Jonah prays this prayer. Let's read the prayer. Look what he says in verse number two. And I said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried, cried I, that thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the sea, and the floods compassed me about all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compass me about, even to the soul. Remember a moment ago, actually, what he heard, and what he, he telling us what he heard. He's telling us what he saw. And his life is in a mess. And he continues his prayer. Look in verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. I've got the word remember circling my Bible. But sometimes when you run away from God, you begin to re remember how good he was to be in his presence. You remember the story of, of the prodigal son? You remember he took the family fortune, his part of it, and left it and spent it like he wanted to? Remember that particular story? He gets a job feeding pigs. And the text says he was about to put the pig food in his mouth. And he remembered how good he had it back home. Sometimes when you, let's see if you remember this maybe this day in your life. You remember when you went off to the service or you went off to college or you went off and got a job maybe up in Richmond or Lexington? And after a while, what did you remember? You remember how good you had it back home. And you got a little home 
wants to smile if you were there ever in your life. Yes. You remember how good you had back home. Jonah remembered how good he had. And he goes back running back to the Lord. He prays all the way back to the Lord. And look at verse number 10. The Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Jonah now is now vomiting all over. I don't hope that doesn't make you sick. Don't get it just enough in your stomach this morning for breakfast. But Jonah's got vomit all over. Would you listen to a preacher that had vomit all over? Would he grab your attention? He might grab your attention for sure. In chapter 1, Jonah ran away from God. In chapter 2, he ran back to God. He remembered how good he had it. And God prepared this fish. You see, God wasn't finished with Jonah. And I'll bet you God's not finished with you either. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Is anybody in this room glad we serve a God of second chances? Is anybody in the room glad that we serve a God of third chances? How about fourth chances? Is anybody glad we serve a God that gives us another opportunity? Chapter 3, verse 1. He's going to run with God for a while. Chapter 1 was what? You ran away from God. Chapter 2 was what? You ran back toward God. In chapter 3, he's going to run a little bit with God. Let's read a little bit in chapter 3. Word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey. Jonah began to enter the city a day's journey. He cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It took three days to walk through Nineveh. How many days would it take to walk through Stanford? Wouldn't take three days, would it? He walked through the city, and as he started into the city, he started preaching. And the text says his, this was his message. In forty days, you're going to be destroyed. I mean, let's give it a better title. Here was Jonah's title. To the city of Nineveh, Jonah said, Turn or burn. Either come back to God or you're going to be destroyed. Meet your eyeballs up here for a second. You ever heard a preacher that preached maybe a hellfire and brimstone? And just his attitude, he kind of liked doing it. You ever, you ever seen a preacher like that? I've seen one or two like that. It seemed like they enjoyed telling me about the future like that. Jonah tells these folks, you either turn, you either repent, or your city is going to be burned up. Now, he didn't like the Ninevites anyway. So what's he hoping? What's Jonah wishing? He's hoping that they won't repent. Let's see what happens. Look in chapter 3 as his message begins to go throughout the particular city. In verse number 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. If you had put on sackcloth, which is a real coarse material, that's telling everybody, I give up. That, that says, I, I'm not going to make it. I quit. Well, the whole city, everybody put on sackcloth. Look at verse number 6. The word came into the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him covered him with sackcloth and sack and ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king that no man, beast, herd, flock, anything, that him not feed nor drink water. But let men and beasts be covered 
He's giving a picture here. He wants the whole city responding to the preaching of Jonah. If you were a preacher and you preached and the whole city responded, how would you feel? If preaching today went off and then tell you, if everybody in this audience came forward, I'd probably smile a little bit. That'd be kind of neat. Well, before we read it, what are you anticipating from Jonah? He liked these people anyway. What does he want God to do? God, he wants God to punish them. He wants God to take them down. Well, now the whole city said, we're sorry. We repent. We want to follow your God. Let's see how it impacted Jonah. In the latter part of chapter 3. Verse number 10. God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that He had said that He would do it in, and He did it not. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly that he was very angry. Chapter 1, he ran away from God. Chapter 2, why did he run away from God? We're about to read one. In chapter 2, he ran back toward God. In chapter 3, he ran with God began preaching a message. What was the sermon? Turn or burn. He wanted them to burn. He wanted them to go down. But when he got through preaching, the whole city responded. And in chapter 4, verse 1, the whole city responded. What was John's reaction? He got angry. He got so angry. In fact, in a second, we're going to, it even gets more intense than that. In chapter 4, verse 1, it displeased Jonah, and he was very angry. Listen to how, how angry he was and why. He prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before the Tarshish. Here's the reason why Jonah fled away from God. We're about to read why he didn't go down and preach the gospel at first. We're about to read why he fled to go the opposite direction. Listen to this. Therefore I fled before the Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. In verse number two, you get a pretty good picture of God. Is anybody in this room pretty tickled? That's the type of God we serve. A God of mercy, a God of grace, a God that will not punish when repentance takes place. Andy, what's this got to do with Jonah? Jonah couldn't handle God's view of the world. He couldn't, view, he couldn't accept God's view of salvation. Who did Jonah think salvation was only for? The Jews. God wanted through Jonah to know that the entire world needed to be receptive to the call of God. He wanted to use Jonah and the Jewish nation to bring people to God. Jonah said, I can't handle that. In fact, in the next line or two, we're going to read where he says, I'm so angry, just let me die. I can't handle you. He, he couldn't handle God's view of the world. I hope this doesn't surprise you, but God is not just a God of America. That's right. He's not just a, a God for white folks. He's not just a God of Southern folks. He is a God of the world. Amen. That's why Jonah couldn't take it. He couldn't handle a God like that and would let anybody else besides Jews be saved. 
What's this got to do with us? I don't know about you, but my community is looking a little different. Is yours? I remember living in Gallatin right before I came here, no, right after I came here. I remember standing on my front porch and I could see five doors in my neighborhood where people spoke a different language. Our communities look different. And we need to make sure that we don't have the attitude of Jonah. Jonah couldn't handle a God of grace and mercy. He couldn't handle the God that, that in his view of the world, in his view of salvation. That might really strike a chord deep in our soul. But I want you to realize from this passage that God is a God of the world. No matter how evil people are, we still need to hear the message of salvation. Look at, look at these next few lines. I want you to realize how angry he got. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 3. I hope that you'll underline several things in verse 2. Because it, it really it gives you a good picture of God. He's a God of mercy. He is very gracious. He's slow to anger. He is kind. And He is forgiving. That's the God. Is anybody glad we serve a God like that? Amen. I sure hope every one of us is tickled with that opportunity. Let's go back to the path. Look at verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, take out of your seats me my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. You ever been that mad? You ever been that angry where you say, God, just kill me? Well, that's where Jonah was. He couldn't handle this view of, it, of, of evangelism. He couldn't handle this view of the world that God had. I can't handle this. Strike me dead. He couldn't handle it. Well, it gets even worse. Continue with me. Look at verse 5. So Jonah went out into the city, and he sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow, that he might see what would become of the city. John has preached the message, you better turn or you're going to burn. He's got through preaching. The whole city responds. He builds him a little shelter, and he's sitting in the cool of that shelter, and he's waiting. What's he waiting for? The whole city has, has repented, but he's waiting for them to turn again. He thinks they won't last. So he's sitting there ready to watch this whole thing. Do you like John? Smile if you like Jonathan. I don't like him either. His heart is really telling you something. Look at the next couple of lines. Look at verse number 7. And God prepared a fish already, didn't he? Here's the second thing he prepared. Look with me in verse number 6. The Lord God prepared the gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that he might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. You know anybody that gets a little irritable when it gets hot? Anybody in this room irritable when it gets hot? Just smile if you're, you get irritable when it's hot. Yeah, me too. Jonah's sitting in the shade. How's he feel? Facial expression. Give me Jonah's facial expression sitting in the shade. He's in good, he's in good shape, isn't he? God prepared the gourd. He's sitting in the shade. Waiting to watch a whole city get back into evil. Look in verse 5. Or verse 7. But God prepared a worm. That's the third thing God prepared in this story. When the morning arose the next day, and it smoked the way that it withered. So what happened to his shade? It's gone. How would you anticipate he's going to react now to being hot again? Look in verse 8. Came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared. There's the fourth thing that God prepared in this story. He prepared a vehement east wind. 
And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die. In fact, he even said, it's better for me to die than to live. I'm about to get real personal with you in these last few lines of Jonah. Chapter 1, Jonah ran away from God. Chapter 2, he ran back toward God. Chapter 3, he went with God a little bit. He did preach the message, and the whole city responded. But in chapter 4, he, he's running way ahead of God. He just he's, he's more concerned about his own comfort than he is preaching a message of salvation. He gets a little hot, and he gets a little disturbed. God is trying to get Jonah to realize where his heart condition really is. I'm going to quit preaching right now and start meditating. But I'll use the text to do it. Look at the next few lines. Verse number nine. God said to Jonah, Does sound well to be angry for the gourd? Let's put that in everyday talk. Jonah, is it fair that you're angry because the gourd went away? And here's his answer. I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six, four thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle? I call verse 10 and 11. What did God tell Jonah about himself? Jonah was more concerned about his own personal comfort than going out and telling him that salvation. You and I need to examine our hearts and minds to make sure that, we're, that our personal comfort is not the most important thing in our life. I was with a brother in Christ one tonight, and I took three or four trips to Honduras with And when I thought about the Jonah passage, I thought back about those early days when I got invited to go to Honduras and I didn't want to go. They didn't cook southern food there in Honduras. It was hot most of the day. There wasn't any air conditioning. There wasn't a good shower that I could enjoy at the end of the day. I didn't speak their language. I came up with a lot of reasons why I didn't want to go to Honduras. Then I began to realize I'm more concerned about my personal my personal comfort than having somebody else find out about salvation. Would you please take that to heart? Would you please take a look in your own heart and see what your attitude is toward seeking and saving the lost in this particular area and every other place that you have opportunity? Did you learn something from Jonah maybe you've never seen before? It's a great, great story. It's very convictive. It's very, very convicting. I've got to look in my heart to see if there's anybody that I don't like. I don't like somebody. I'll never teach them about Jesus. If there's anybody I hate, I'll never teach them about Jesus. And it won't bother me. So I need to look at my own heart to make sure that I've got the view that God wants me to have of the world and of salvation. And I want you to be prayerful the rest of your life that God will help you realize that you're more concerned about your personal comfort than you are doing the work of God. Don't run away from God, but if you do run back to Him, and take uh, the message of salvation to people that bring them in. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this story in Jonah that really talked talk to us about us. Thank you, dear Lord, for, for saving this story for us to read today. And I pray you'll help us not to have a heart of Jonah. Help us not to hate anybody. 
Help us to love the souls of lost folks across the ocean, but help us love the souls of the lost who live across the street. Give us a heart of compassion. Father, give us the heart of Jesus. And may other people see Jesus living in us, that they might want to be a part of this salvation as well. Bless each of us as we apply this faith to our walk with you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me close like this. You don't go to church. You are church. You didn't come into the presence of God when you came through the double doors today. Whatever you did yesterday, you were just as near God as you are this moment. And are you saying fellowship time is unimportant? Absolutely not. It really is important. But what I want you to realize is you live in God's very presence. You can come into His presence when you came into the He'll live in the building. You don't go to church. You are church. I'd rather go to church. Because then what can I do? I can leave church. But if I am church, I never get out of church. I said that in a sermon a few weeks ago. The little girl said about on the bench number three. She was 10 or 12. And she heard me say you never get out of church. And she went, oh, when she had thought about not getting out of church. We are church. And then in a few minutes, we're going to leave. And let's go be church to the world. It may start with your waiter or your waitress just in a few minutes, wherever you eat. That person maybe is your waiter or waitress because you would share their needs in a prayer before you had your food. Let's get ready to go be church. Let's let the world know by being church that we've been together with our brothers and sisters. We sing a song for each one of us to take a look at our own walk with God. You may be ready today to be baptized into Jesus. I don't know where you are in your journey with God. If that's the need, I bet you we can take care of that in just a few minutes. Maybe we need to pray together as God's family. No better place to pray together than with the family of God. Can we have it anyway? Let those needs be known. Would you stand together? When Jesus comes to reward his servants, whether it be good or
morning. Hope you all had a, a good week and uh, look forward to being here this morning and hearing him. Uh, Andy preached. You did a good job. I really enjoyed listening to you. Let's remember all those who are affected by the floods, those who are sick. Uh, James granted Dick Doe um, to, to the chemo doctor, so when she starts, she's going to have to have it every day consistent for eight weeks, and then that's chemo, and then radiation one day for five hours, and they're going to do that for four weeks, I think, and then they'll go from there and see what, what needs to be done. But we hope she can get through that because she's got uh, a lot of breathing problems and it's going to wear her down really quick. So let's just pray she can make it through that. Uh, where are we at this morning? She's in Dayton. She said she would be back this afternoon to be here tonight. Oh, okay. And Isaac Hall will be here preaching tonight. Yes, and Isaac Hall will be here tonight. So if you can, we'll, we'll be back out tonight at 6 o'clock to hear him. Anything else for me to mention before we dismiss? If not, we'll sing one verse. So far, no one stands alone. And then, Kelly, you have our closing prayer. <clears throat> Once I stood in the night with my